So the Miami Hurricanes have made five coaching changes since 2006. And every time they do it, we're saying, okay, this time it's going to be different. And to this point, it hasn't been different. So will this time indeed be different? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, including pregame and postgame for Miami Hurricanes football. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Uh, I'm having internet trouble at my home, so I am broadcasting today from a double secret undisclosed location and the internet here is not too much better so bear with me we power through it much like mario cristobal we keep grinding and yeah guys we've been through this song and dance a lot and i want to talk about why i do expect this time is going to be different of course we're not going to know until we actually see it right it's easy to say early august before Mario and his staff have actually coached a game before we get a couple of recruiting cycles in. It's easy to say why it's different this time, uh, but we're actually going to have to see the proof. But I got a really good question on Twitter from our pal BP. Thank you for supporting the show. He says, hey, potential topic for you. Many of us Miami fans have PTSD from our last few coaches. Can you share on specifics on how this staff separates itself from previous ones? Uh, the timing of the question is great because I was at media day yesterday in Coral Gables. We had the chance to see and talk to Mario and all of his assistant coaches and probably close to half the players on the roster were out there talking for media day. And yeah, everybody's saying the right things. But before we get into why I think the right things are actually going to happen in order to answer in order to answer BP's question, there's a big picture answer and a small picture answer. You have to start at the big picture before you can get to the small picture because, okay, previous times in recent years when Miami has replaced coaches, let's look at the last couple of regimes, right? You went from Al Golden to Mark Richt, who did come in with pedigree, uh, from Mark Richt to Manny Diaz, who, you know, unfortunately just ended up being a guy with no head coaching experience. And it showed, um, but it's not just that, okay? Because the last handful of coaching changes Miami has made, you can change a coach, but then when you still have an unambitious athletic director like Blake James overseeing them, and you have a university president's office, which at the time was not really interested in pumping resources into the athletic department and the football program specifically, because at that point they hadn't come to the conclusion that, hey, if we can make money through this, everything's going to make money. They seem to have figured that out. If you don't have alignment and ambition, and if you change head coaches, and then at the end of the day, that head coach still has a shoestring budget to hire assistants and to recruit and facility-wise, right? If they don't have the money and the resources, it's hard to change everything. And for as much as I like Mario, and I think Mario can be the guy, 
it's not just Mario in itself. If you had the same situations, if you had Blake James and a disinterested president's office and no budget, Mario Cristobal by himself does not fix this. And that's the big picture. And then you also throw into the mix having someone like Roland Smith now on staff overseeing high school relations. This guy's so connected in the high school scene. And you've got Alonzo Highsmith as the GM of your football operations, a guy you just took out of an NFL front office to do this job. And he's a Miami guy as well. This is the alignment and these are the resources and big picture. That's why this can make a difference. And yeah, with now having a budget, not only do you have in Mario Cristobal, the highest paid head coach in the ACC, top 10 in the country, you now have uh, an $8 million plus dollar assistant coaching staff, which is a Miami school record, and I believe the highest in the ACC as well. Miami pays their assistants. These are all reported figures uh, because it's a private institution. They don't have to disclose. But Miami now has the most expensive assistant coaching staff in the conference and the most expensive head coach in the conference and all the resources and grind that comes with that. That's big picture why it's different. And then, yeah, of course, small picture – um, you know, not only do you have someone now in Cristobal who is proven in recent years as a head coach. I know he didn't win at all, didn't win a big dance, but he did win two Pac-12 titles, which is nothing to, uh, you know, certainly nothing to snub your nose at. That That's good accomplishments by Cristobal in Oregon. And you've got a Ferrari of an assistant coaching staff. You have someone like Charlie Strong, who's a proven experienced college football head coach not even coordinating your defense. He's coaching your linebackers. I spoke to one of his, I spoke to a couple of his linebackers yesterday, but one of his linebackers that I spoke to, Caleb Johnson, who just transferred in from UCLA, uh, I posted the video yesterday. You guys can see it. He even said to me, like, I can't believe this guy is here coaching my position. Like, I can't believe this guy who could be a head coach in a lot of places is here coaching my unit. Like, even these players are starstruck by it. You know, you have actually people like Josh Gaddis leaving a, you know, historic powerhouse like Michigan for a lateral move to take the same job at Miami. This is the kind of stuff Miami was never doing. And all of these guys, because people like Josh Gaddis and Charlie Strong, and I don't mean this as an insult, but, you know, given what they have accomplished, I'm sure that they have egos. Uh, yet Mario Cristobal is the type of guy that can bring a team together and everybody puts their egos in check because they all respect him and they all respect each other and they want to grind and they want to win. So that to me is the big picture and the small picture because none of this can happen. None of this small stuff can happen without the alignment and the investment that's coming from the president's office to the athletic director. And yeah, I mentioned, you know, we used to have one of the most unambitious athletic directors Dan Radakovich, who just made a, a quote-unquote lateral move from Clemson to Miami, one of the most ath, uh, aggressive ADs in the country, is now your athletic director. So these are all the reasons why we're getting really excited at this point. Uh, I mentioned Mario Cristobal spoke yesterday at Media Day. Here's what Mario had to say about everything going on. And again, because I know we're going to get comments, and, and I love you guys, but every day – you know, we've got some Gator fans and Alabama fans specifically who watch and listen to the show every day. I love you guys, and I know you troll us in the comments every single day, so let me put this right out there on Front Street. Again, I can talk all day about why I think things are different now. We still don't have the proof yet. 
I'm just telling you why I believe the proof is coming. So Mario said this yesterday. It's good to know that players are speaking the same language. That's the most important thing. There is no fluff to what we do, says Mario. Uh, he says Alonzo Highsmith is right down the hallway. So is Roland Smith and Mike Rumpf. When you have mentors and leaders like that, it creates DNA, right? So Cristobal is talking about how, you know, because Miami has a standard, right? I know the standard for the last 15 years has been, unfortunately, you know, let's see if we can win eight or nine games. Let's see if we might be able to win the Coastal this year. That's been the standard. That's not what the standard used to be when Mario played here and was an assistant coach here when they were winning titles. And that's not what fans want the future standard to be. Uh, Mario says, the more you surround yourself with people from the same DNA, it becomes a belief system. When you show it and when your coaches and team leaders, when they are living out what they are saying all the time and pouring their entire existence to it, and we see improvement and progress, then you know what? The rest runs its course, he says. That's when it starts to build momentum. Uh, it starts with what are the intentions? What is the level of connection and respect? Is it genuine? We all know why we, being him and his staff, and uh, why we are back in Miami. We've started doing the work, but we have a lot more work to do, he says. And there's a clear message. I spoke to, I think, over a dozen players yesterday, and all of them talk about the standard in off-season workouts because Coach Feld and Cristobal and his staff have been pushing these guys really, really hard because they wanted to create a culture shock. They wanted everybody on that roster to know uh, we're going to make it really hard for you guys really early from spring football to the offseason workouts. So you are going to be shocked into understanding things are different now. And there are little things, right? And I know this is not going to be why Miami wins a national championship in the next four years, but I think it can contribute to that. Players are no longer allowed to bring cell phones into meeting rooms, which, bros, to me, seems like a no-brainer. I don't know why previous coaches were letting them bring phones into meeting rooms because you know how the, the, the teenagers and 20-somethings are, man. If, it, if you're in a big meeting room with, you know, whether it be like a full defense offense deal or even a position group deal, you're in there with a dozen or more other people. You're going to be sneaking looks on your phone. You're going to be surfing the web. You're going to be on Instagram, like – you know, little things like that. You know, I know that that's a small cog in a very, very big wheel, but I think stuff like that does actually make a difference. Um, here are some of my big takeaways from the players that I had a chance to speak to, many of them one-on-one -on -one, uh, at Miami Media Day yesterday because I posted the videos last night, and thank you guys for watching them. If you missed them, that's on our YouTube channel only. So the audio listeners... I. I would have posted the audio if it was good, but it needs the video context. So the audio listeners, you want to check out our YouTube channel to see the master cut of 11 or 12 one-on-one -on -one interviews that I did yesterday and what these players were saying. But, you know, I posted the interviews without my post wrap-up thoughts on it. So here are some of my big takeaways, okay? Uh, first of all, our wonderful Australian punter, Lou Headley, he has amazing dedication to Miami and to his own improvement as a punter and as a man and as a football player because he would like to be scoring touchdowns out there and tackling people he's that type of a competitor uh, I didn't know this was a big takeaway of mine when it comes to his dedication I didn't know until I spoke to him yesterday 
that the short trip that he took to Australia during this offseason was the first trip he made back home in three and a half years. This man has not seen his family in three and a half years. That is incredible to me. His dedication has been stateside, training, working, getting better. I'm sure the pandemic uh, must have put a wrinkle in his travel plans because when there's a pandemic, it's not easy to get from the USA to Australia. So he's been here, hadn't seen relatives in three and a half years. I thought that was amazing. Uh, Somebody that I was blown away speaking to, and I know that some of you who watched the video noticed this and had some of the same takeaways as well. Oh, I had a wonderful conversation with Daryl Jackson the six foot six defensive tackle who just transferred in from Maryland. This man is ready to put in the work and I get the sense talking to him. And I love this. He's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, but in the good way, Uh, he didn't say it outright, but I can tell he wants to really prove this year that he should be getting talked about the same way. Some of the other transfer D linemen, like Akeem Mesador, who I also spoke to great dude and Mitchell Agude, because the two of them, you know, coming from West Virginia, UCLA, respectively, well-known guys, highly touted, talked about a lot. Daryl Jackson, for a lot of us, uh, slips through the cracks a little bit. We don't talk about him enough, and I get the sense he wants to be in the conversation with some of these other guys, and he wants to prove it on the field. Uh, I spoke with Caleb Johnson, the transfer linebacker from UCLA, Great to talk to, really chill guy, soft-spoken, but you can tell he's a dog on the field because I've, I've watched a lot of his tape. Our conversation, it really confirmed to me that Caleb Johnson would not be here if not for Charlie Strong. So not only can we credit Coach Strong with some of the work he's doing on the recruiting trail for 2023, you know, studs like Raul Aguirre and Malik Bryant, but I think we can also give Charlie Strong the dub forgetting Caleb Johnson because he's going to make that linebacking room, which has not been deep in recent years. He's going to make that room a lot better guys. And I think he's going to be a starter. Um, You know, another one that really made an impression on me, Don Chaney, the running back. He is so grateful to be back from injury. His season was cut very short last year, had knee surgery. Uh, that, That takes a toll, not only physically, obviously, but mentally as well. And I know that that was a difficult experience for him. He is just so appreciative being back, being healthy after all he's been through. And I I get the sense that Don Chaney, like this is, we need positive influences like this in all of our lives. I get the sense that he's the type of guy who counts his blessings every single day. Um, I got a couple notes on Trevante Citizen on the other side, who I didn't get to speak to. I missed him by like 30 seconds. I was like waiting in line to talk to him. And then he had to go to like, class or some, something. I, I think he may be a summer enrolled, like a summer student. He had to go off somewhere. So I was able to catch some of what he said, but also what Mario Cristobal had to say about him. And folks, because you know we do this every single day, we have some interesting recruiting notes, including something on Dillard running back Christopher Johnson. I think you're going to be really interested in hearing right after we talk about our good friends at betonline.net. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. 
Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening right now. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, so Trevante Citizen, and this is a great scoop from the guys at Kane Sport, Gary Furman, Matt Shodell do an awesome job there. A freshman, true freshman running back, Trevante Citizen, he's now weighing 221 pounds. That's up from 215, which is where he was when he finished high school. Um, he had a squat of 500, which is a lot for a running back. I mean, if you're telling me like O-linemen and D-tackles are squatting 500, I'm like, yep, that sounds about right. This dude's a freaking running back, man. Um, he had a squat. Oh, oh, sorry. That was his high school number. His squat number now, 600. <laughs> and his bench is 295. I was pretty built at one point. I don't think I could ever bench 295. So that's kudos to him, man. And Cristobal was very complimentary of Trevante Citizen. He said about the true freshman running back, he's adapted quickly, which is especially good for a guy who wasn't here for spring. Like off season, this is his first go around. He's adapted quickly. Cristobal, as we all are, is impressed with his size and his attitude. He says he's going to be competing right there with the rest of them. Running back room is loaded, guys. We talked about them already this week. You know, when you have Trevante Citizen is the new kid on the block, when you've got Don Chaney, when you've got Henry Parrish, who's another guy I had a chance to speak to yesterday, when you've got Jalen Knighton, the rooster, and Thad Franklin, the thumper. This is, I think, Miami's tight end rooms, running back room, and safety room are among the best in the entire country. So, all right, let's get to a couple of very important recruiting notes today. Uh, William Foles, you may have saw this last night. You may have seen this last night, if I want to speak English correctly. Uh, I, uh, I actually had very high marks on my SATs for verbal. Not so much for math, but verbal through the roof. So I should know better. I should know better than to say saw this year. Yeah. So William Foles. He has pushed back his announcement date. The four-star wide receiver, Dade Christian, now avant-garde. He was going to announce actually tonight, August 3rd. He's pushed it back to Friday, August 5th. Um, this is one I'm going to be very interested to see uh, any leaks we can get in the next 48 hours. And then I will be um, waiting intently for his announcement. I don't know. I think it's probably going to be a social media thing. I don't know if he has a broadcast for it. Um, but I'm going to be waiting intently for this because Foles, we were uh, on the understanding about a week ago that he was almost a sure thing for Miami. And then it sounds as though it's no longer a sure thing. And that might have as much to do with Miami deciding maybe we're not as in on this guy as we thought we were. Maybe he's not a take, as we would say. And if that's the case, it makes me wonder, who is Miami now counting on? Are they thinking they can flip a guy like Jurion Dickey, five-star from Oregon? Because if they if they are, in fact, 
backing off a little bit from William Foles. Is there a reason for that? Because I think Foles is an excellent player. I think he's got a great size and speed combination. So uh, I'm going to be waiting intently to see what he decides. Uh, here's one that I am optimistic for, from Miami to land. Another Friday announcement, August 5th, Connor Liu, L-E-W, is a three-star center, interior offensive lineman. I think Miami's recruiting him as a center. He's out of Kennesaw, Georgia. He's going to announce on Friday, and I, I, I think I have already, or I will drop again, a Dono ball. Because they don't let me log crystal balls, but I will log a Dono ball for Connor Liu, because I think he's going to pick the U on Friday. I think he's going to be the next member of the offensive line class. Uh, now, there is a lot being talked about, and a lot of it's being talked about by the man himself. Who is there a better source on Christopher Johnson, four-star running back on Dil, uh, out of Dillard? Is there a better source on Christopher Johnson information than Christopher Johnson himself? I think not. I think he's probably the top source on that. So I've seen other outlets have now started reporting something that we have talked about for the last few days already on Locked on Canes. And I can't take the credit for this. The credit goes to my awesome colleagues at Sports Illustrated, allhurricanes.com. I, I recently started with them, so you guys should check it out. Uh, we've had this scoop for the last several days that um, it, it's not a one-horse race for Christopher Johnson because uh, Miami's been considered the favorite, but Ole Miss is very much in the mix. And Chris has gone out of his way to mention Ole Miss and Miami being the leaders, okay? So I think Ole Miss is very much in the mix right now. And we also have a big-time scoop, and I kudos to John Garcia Jr., who joins this show frequently, uh, also works with Sports Illustrated. Of course, he's director of football recruiting. Um, Chris Johnson has said, he told this on the record to John, that he wants to see what Miami does in season. He wants to see Miami win before he makes up his mind. So right there, that means Chris Johnson's not making an announcement this summer. He's not making an announcement this month. He wants to see some games play out. Um, and from what I've been told, Chris already feels like he has a better idea of Ole Miss because, you know, Lane Kiffin has been there, whereas Mario was in his first year at Miami. So he, he has a better feel for the situation at Ole Miss, but obviously he likes Miami enough that he wants to see how things play out. And um, there have been a couple of players, because not everybody's going to make up their mind in the summer. There are a handful of players who want to see things play out a little bit in the season before they make a decision. So here's a quote from Chris, from Chris Johnson. He says about wanting to see Miami play first. Uh, that's really going to determine if I go there, he said. I want to see what they're going to do, how they're going to come out. Um, the first two games of the season, they should go 2-0, and he says. We agree, of course. But then he says, I'm waiting to see. I'm waiting until they play Clemson, which is in November. But he also said, I'll see what they do versus Texas A&M, which is week three, September 17th. So, you know, you can decide for yourself what that means. Does he need to see Miami go on the road and actually beat Texas A&M? Or does he just want to, want to see Miami play competitively? 
I think he wants to see how the running backs are utilized in the offense, which I think he's going to like, because if you've tracked Josh Gaddis in recent years, there's going to be plenty of burn in that backfield. So he wants to, th- to see things play out and power to him. Um, got a couple of more notes coming out of uh, coming out of media day. Uh, Cause guys remember we're, what are we now? Two days away from fall camp opening Friday, Friday, fall camp is opening couple of other notes from what we took in yesterday when we come back right here on Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So, you know, you talk to um, players like Caleb Johnson, you know, players like uh, Akeem Mesidor, who had a lot of nice things to say about Coach Salavea who's coaching the defensive line. You know, Caleb Johnson had so many great things to say about Charlie Strong, really gave me the impression that Caleb Johnson, uh, who transferred in from UCLA, Caleb would not be here if not for Charlie Strong. Like that that was one of the things he told me really set Miami apart from other schools he might have looked into. Um, so when we talk about what kind of an impact Miami can have year one, because Cristobal did talk about how you know, it's going to take a little bit to turn certain things over. Um, in recruiting specifically, he talked about how, like, it's going to take a year and a half, two years to repair and reconnect some of the relationships. And I don't think he was trying to trash previous coaching staffs, but obviously every every coaching staff needs to have relationships with the high school coaches. And Mario's been down here before. He was an assistant and a big recruiter. Um, in the early 2000s, when he was on the staff here, uh, remember he coached at FIU. And even though when you coach FIU, you're not always recruiting the same caliber of players that Miami is recruiting, but a lot of the high schools are the same. So he's trying to reconnect and repair some of those relationships. And he thinks it's going to take a year and a half, two years. But Miami's obviously off to a really great start, right? You look at what they're bringing in from Florida and outside of Florida. Uh, in the class of 2023 and what they were able to salvage in the class of 2022. Because remember, a guy like Trevante Citizen, he was a late flip. Jaleel Skinner was a late flip that you credit to this coaching staff completely and not the previous coaching staff. But as far as what Miami can do this coming season, um, I do take a certain amount of optimism into 2022, knowing that in today's college football, you can overhaul a roster a lot more quickly by virtue of the transfer portal, which is essentially free agency, right? Because five, 10 years ago with the archaic transfer rules that we used to have, you couldn't just go and bring in Akeem Mesidor, Henry Parrish, Frank Ladson, Caleb Johnson, et cetera. Like you couldn't go get experienced upperclassmen from other big universities and just put them on the field right away. Right. There's more hoops to jump through. They used to have to sit out a year. So you can overhaul things a lot more quickly. And I know in recent years, Miami's been a seven and five, eight and four type of team. Um, To be fair, some of their five losses last year were incredibly close. Couple plays away from different results. And that's why I think not only with transfer players that can make a big impact at important positions, but when you improve the quality of coaching, when you have people like Kevin Steele 
and Jamila Dye and Coach Strong on the defensive side of the football and people like Coach Ponce and Coach Gaddis and Kevin Smith, the running backs coach on the offensive side, that um, you can actually prepare these guys better for game day and hopefully grind out better results. And uh, on the other hand of it, I, I think that if if the schedule was a little bit different this year, and this is not me making an excuse, this is just a reality. Like if the schedule was a little bit different, if you didn't have a road game at Texas A&M so early and a big road trip to Clemson, uh, you know, tough road games on the schedule, maybe you could have the type of year that Miami had in 2017 where they get off to a really big start, 10-0. They get themselves in the college football playoff conversation in late November. That's the only time we've ever had that, you know, since the college football playoff has been around. Um, Maybe if you had a a little bit more of a favorable schedule, you could see yourselves in that top four conversation late in the year. I don't necessarily think Miami's going to be in that this year, but never say never. I never say never when you have coaching like this. And I know what some people are going to say. Well, Mario, terrible game day coach, they tell me. Doesn't know when to call timeouts. Doesn't know how to manage the clock, all this stuff. Um, Okay, you can say that, and that's fine. But how many of Miami's issues were day-to-day, right? Because Cristobal day-to-day, when it comes to pushing his players, preparing his players, practice regimen, top-notch top notch at that stuff so these players are going to be bigger stronger hungrier better prepared and long term the recruiting is going to be a lot better so uh, and then you look at the quality of position coaches and coordinators Miami has uh, I I think they could shock some people this year I'm not expecting it you know I, I think that they'll probably win the coastal probably won't win the ACC but they'll get into a nice bowl game so I'm not expecting them to be a college football playoff type of team but uh I'm open to the possibility. Thank you guys so much for listening to and watching this episode. It, it was not easy to put this one together, man. I've, it's like the internet's out seemingly everywhere down by me, but we will talk to you guys again. Thank you for making us your first listen and get more on the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen every day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Make Locked On ACC your second listen We will talk to you guys again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.